Welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. Uh, I'm Solomon. This is Julian. And yep. today we're going to talk about scaring the hell out of people for Jesus. <laughs> uh, just a heads up right now, everybody who's talking on this, we're going to talk about rapture movies. None of us believe in a rapture. So if you came here for that, I'm sorry to disappoint you. We'll get that out of the way real quick. But... Yeah. uh so we wanted to talk uh, Christian horror, things like that, rapture movies, Jack Tri Jack Chick tracks, uh, Hell Houses, which I've only been to one, but they're fascinating. Yeah. So we wanted to get a guest on. So uh, I had come across this guy on Instagram not too long ago, and he was doing some stuff that I was like, that's interesting because I hadn't seen it happen before, and it was like right up my alley. Church-themed vaporwave. So let me go ahead and bring him on, have him introduce himself. All right. Hello. How's it going, man? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, and kind of your, your music and stuff. Um, but yeah, I got into Vaporwave, uh, I think back in like 2016. Okay. Um, and uh, it was actually, yeah, it was during like, I remember the um, the president or the uh, national conventions that were happening for both the Republican Party and, and the Democratic National Convention and and everything and and that's kind of whenever I first stumbled upon it and and started listening to it and then uh, a little bit later uh, I, I ended up thinking you know there was no uh, vapor wave that was made that um, appropriated early like nine 80s and 90s christian culture which is i i'm someone that i grew up in the church uh, in the in the church um i was about to say the curse <laughs> interesting freudian slip uh, <laughs> uh, I, but I, I grew up um in, in a very uh, kind of fundamentalist evangelical mm. um uh non-denominational community uh and so i grew up on a lot of the veggie tales and bible man and um, all of that kind of stuff was in my veins, and uh, I realized that there's just this. And Michael W. Smith, of course. Oh um, man, you know, uh, yes, oh, Mike, yeah. my boy, Mike. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Fascinating, fascinating character. Um, Kurt Cameron, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Who we'll talk about today. All yeah. of that was just in my veins, and I was looking at what people were using to create vaporwave, and I realized that there's just this untapped reservoir of material that nobody was engaging with. And I, uh, most of the people who make vaporwave, you know, might not be aware of that type of material. And so I figured, you know, might as well try to figure it out. So I uh, learned how to use the GarageBand app on my phone. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, just tinkering with, with music and sounds and, and visuals and everything uh, and just been trying to teach myself over the last few years. So uh, who was the Vaporwave that you found first? What, what kind of introduced you to it? Uh, well, it was actually – so my favorite YouTube channel that's now kind of inactive is called This Exists. Yes, and run, love that yeah. channel. Okay, yeah. He, uh, Sam Sutherland, music journalist that, that used to run it, um, introduced me. It changed my life really um introduced me so many fascinating 
uh, weird, obscure media. And so that's kind of where I learned about it. And I was fascinated by um, the philosophy in it mm -hmm. and the um, kind of cultural criticism mixed with the aesthetic and the music and uh, and, the vi and how connected both the visual and the mm -hmm. music um, was. And like, I, I was a philosophy major in college. I graduated from, okay. from Baylor University. Um, and so uh, I always enjoy things that are a little bit more philosophical that have, you know, kind of material to work with that gets you thinking. Um, so I, I just kind of gravitated to it. Nice. So, so I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. What is Vaporwave? That is a great question. I have uh, no clue what that is. Okay, yeah, e excellent. So um, <laughs> Vaporwave, I'll I literally, try to I'm, I'm going to stand up for the podcast. I literally don't know what that is. No, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> okay, dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll try to give the best uh, kind of introduction that I can. Um, it is basically a uh, music and art genre that popped up in about like 2012 to 2013. Um, and it came up on the internet. And so it is a musical genre that is kind of birthed purely out of the internet. Sometimes you hear live shows, but it's mainly a digital platform, uh, which kind of makes it unique. And like both the aesthetic and the music of Vaporwave are inseparable. Mm. And the aesthetic uh, borrows imagery from the 80s and 90s. And it ends up producing a type of um, ironic take on consumer culture, uh, especially the act of making a parody of marketing promotions. And so the iconography that is typical within Vaporwave comes from, uh, frankly, stupid corporations like <laughs> Pepsi, McDonald's, uh, Fiji Water. Um, it also uses like old, um, outdated analog technology. So, you know, VHS and, and um, cam, uh, yeah, camcorder and, and cassettes. And I actually, behind me is a whole wall of VHS. I love, I, I collect VHS. That's another. <laughs> nice. Um, so that, that kind of reminds me of like, I mean, I don't know how, like much about the music side of it, but there's this page I used to follow called everything is terrible. Uh, yes, or, yes. Or, I love everything was, is terrible. Right. And it was like, just, it was like obscure pop culture things. You sort of remember from the eighties, like an infomercial yes. or something. And yes. then, but like set to like a weird, techno thing and like a i don't know like i don't know exactly. the, music for, but the visual that's kind of what i'm i'm getting from that is it kind of like that like yes um okay. though it, though yeah the, the music style is a little bit different than what you might see in an everything's terrible video but the kind of act of appropriating these lost and forgotten um mixing, consumerist yeah, iconography yeah. yeah mixing it together distorting it kind of turning it on its head and subverting it in a type okay. of um, critique of hyper consumerism yeah. um, and the ways that like the commodification of all um, reality <laughs> has <Yeah. laughs> impacted and changed the way that we that we live in the world and change uh, and changed our relationship to each other to society and, and everything so uh, okay. vaporwave also kind of works in that sense is the the term is cognitive mapping um, okay. so it helps you kind of uh, create a mental imagination and map of the society that you're living in and the ways that it's been transformed by these consumer products. Uh, I'd okay. also, it has precedent 
in kind of art history and tradition in pop art of like Andy Warhol Um, and, you know, making like a Campbell soup can painting that kind of takes these everyday objects that are marketed to you and then like magnifies it to this extreme degree and kind of forces you to reconcile or, or at least consider the images that inform your everyday uh, operation or something or kind of a, like a Banksy kind of feel or like a, thing like that uh i'm not familiar with with that one too much so banksy banksy yeah the graffiti artist like yeah a little bit perhaps kind of yeah because it's more more taking things that already exist and reappropriating them so let's see how he does with like the the well he'll have like the telephone booth like melting into the street yeah but not like it's more a consumer, not so much just everyday items. So it has to be something a little bit more yuppie to, to kind of. Yeah, like the, Fiji water. Yeah. Like really, oh, okay. really expensive, high quality bottled water. Yeah. You know, oh, okay. so that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Windows 96 aesthetics. and Yes. Oh, and, right. and, and yeah. so it's kind of playing with a, a philosophical term called like commodity fetishism, which is where mm-hmm. you take like a commodity and you kind of make it sacred in a sense. And so through different practices of like ideology or like setting the mood and atmosphere of a mall, um, you end up presenting these different commodities and products as greater than what they are, as something that the individual feels like this, uh, you know, drawn and pulled into uh, to purchase this item. And so Vaporwave kind of plays with that. Um, and, and the kind of- if, uh, yeah. if, if the Apple store became a religion, but also it existed in 1994. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's so good. Sad. Yeah. And, right. and yeah, and there's something, so like our society is also experiencing uh, an eradication of s- surplus enjoyment. And so surplus enjoyment is like uh, the enjoyment that you get from kind of the ritual and the process of acquiring an, o- an object and mm. being in the atmosphere that the object or the, the commodity exists in. So uh, like we've all gone to the mall perhaps and you know maybe you, you, you need to buy a t-shirt. So you buy the t-shirt and then you just keep shopping. You don't need anything right. else, but you just keep going through the ritual and derive enjoyment from being in that space. Uh, that's surplus enjoyment. And so uh, our society's quickly moving to the internet. And then especially now, like in the pandemic, we, you know, are spending more time indoors, not in those spaces, not going through those uh, uh, consumerist rituals anymore. Uh, and so we're experiencing the elimination of, of surplus enjoyment and getting more directly to the objects of, you know, just one click and you order something from Amazon. Um, so Vaporwave has an ironic play of that in which it tries to mimic the surplus enjoyment itself and eliminate the object entirely. Mm, okay. um, so you don't get the the Fiji water, you don't get the Pepsi or or the the Coke or anything like that. You just get kind of the the sacred aura of those things, but without the object. And mm. it's kind of a play on those things. If that makes okay. sense, I don't know if that's too yeah too deep or if I explained that too quickly. Uh, we'll post something uh, for uh, on <laughs> on the page. Like, a, like I did write. A- I can I can send y'all um, uh, an essay that I wrote about this as well. Okay. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, but that's yeah. kind of the the name vaporwave. That's kind of the idea behind the name too. Like it comes from this idea of vaporware, which was when a mm-hmm. company would float out an idea, like word of a product they were going to release that they had no intention of making or releasing, just to hype mm-hmm. the company a little more. 
So vaporwave is kind of that. Like, there's nothing to this. It's all illusionary. Like, there's nothing here. But you still yes. get the hype of it. So, yeah. Like and the Steve music. box computer thing that, like, was never actually going to be a computer, whatever. Remember right. his next computer or whatever? And, like, <laughs> he just did that to, like, get back with Apple. <laughs> so, we never actually there you had go. A computer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That type of stuff. That's fine. Um, and so the music kind of sounds like if you were to walk through an abandoned mall mm. um, or like elevator music from hell mm. um, or uh, <laughs> like imagine kind of a broken and distorted cassette tape playing yeah. where it's like slowed down and it's kind of skipping and it's distorted and, and yeah. uh, really lo-fi quality. Um, yeah. So you know, that's I, the kind of sound. Uh, so you've been take you take kind of the the church culture stuff and kind of appropriate into that art style, which is yes. really interesting because I don't think people understand how much of a consumer culture there was in Christianity. It still is like now. Exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, Air One Radio is an iHeart Radio station. Like that's that's crazy to me that it's full on mainstream consumerism at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I, exactly. So in in my church wave art, I try to apply kind of the. the the genre and formal aspects of vaporwave to um, specifically Christian material mm. um, and kind of to try to help again, that cognitive mapping of, uh, of trying to understand the strangely consumeristic landscape of uh, contemporary American Christianity. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of the, the goal that I come at it with. Um, I, it's not, evangelism i I, right. I wouldn't say you know it's not like something that I, I think like you know this is you're not gonna listen to my to my album and have a come to Jesus moment um, <laughs> like if you do that's fine um you know I, I yeah I've had people contact me and say like hey you've really got you know me thinking again about religion and, and really you know wanting to spark that conversation um, with me which is you know fine if it you know I, I like it creating dialogue and creating conversation that's that's great. Um, so it's not, but it's not like pure evangelism, um, right. but it's also not anti-Christianity or anti-theism. I'm not, I'm not trying to get people to hate Christianity or, or hate religion. I'm just trying to get people to think a little bit more critically and anal or analytically, I would even mm -hmm. say about like the state of our religious culture and how it shapes mm -hmm. us and how it's unique and maybe shaped by other ideologies as well. Do you use only things that you're like personally familiar with or whether things in like the Christian uh, zeitgeist kind of at environment atmosphere that you knew were there from the 80s and 90s, but you didn't know personally, but you still use it? Or is it just really just things that you're familiar with? Yeah, great question. Um, so I've tried to educate myself more and, and become familiar with with those things. So um, I was born in 95. So, you know, I missed all of the eighties and yeah. you know, the, I, I only have vague memories of the late nineties. So, uh, veggie tales is especially like, you know, omnipresent in my childhood yeah. religious upbringing. I still love veggie tales. Yeah. Uh, unironically, yeah. uh, like Josh and the Josh and the big wall is one of my favorite sermons of oh, all yeah. time. I tell people, I actually, I'm in, I'm actually in divinity school right now. Um, oh, cool. and I, and for one of my, uh, thesis papers for a class, I did, partial analysis on Josh and the big wall uh, because of how much I love it. Uh, but, uh, but I, I do try to make myself more familiar with things like uh, I never heard of the show fire by night until doing, you know, kind of research and, and looking into this 
uh, weird Christian culture, you know, surfing on the internet and collecting VHS tapes on on this. Uh, Fire by Night was a 80s and 90s straight to VHS uh, kind of variety show. Think like maybe SNL um, that was geared for youth group. So it, and it was. Nuts. I'm sure the youth group loved it. Yeah, you can find all of it on 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 YouTube. Fire by Night, N I T E. Highly recommend it for a bizarre, oh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, because they're cool. Because yeah. they're so cool. <laughs> so the one of the things when I, when I first went to your YouTube channel, I you did a lot of VHS uploads of stuff that I was mm -hmm. like, I've never seen this before, and it's great. Uh, the first one I watched was maybe the funniest one, was the uh, in, not instruction video, but like the video left behind for people who would be left behind. Yes. In case you've just joined us, this is WNN's continuous global coverage of what can only be described as the greatest disaster or possibly attack in human history. Here is what we do know. At 4.59 Eastern Time, millions of people literally vanished off the face of the earth, both from this country and from around the world. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It was, it was totally straightforward. Yeah, right? it, was, it was real. No, it was like legit. It wasn't a... The, yeah. the, no, not a parody. The first half is like a dramatization of the day of the rapture, right? And they're they're cutting to <laughs> all the, the news stations. With the clothes laying on the ground? No, or like... they, they didn't go that far. They're just doing like newscasts. So you're just getting oh, the highlights. Okay. And they go and talk to like the, the Catholic guy who's like saying this, that, and the other. They're, he's saying what you would expect a Protestant uh, evangelical to think he would say in that situation. <laughs> Today, the human race has grown up. We have entered the age spoken of in the scriptures and recorded on the cornerstone of the United Nations where it says, all will dwell secure and none shall make them afraid. It may not seem like that now because evolution is never easy. It is always chaotic as the old dies away to make way for the new. Are you suggesting that those people who have vanished have something in common? The Bible a work which always speaks of the ultimate triumph of the human spirit. <laughs> and then we cut to like the UN and this guy's giving a speech in a foreign accent that's vaguely foreign, but we don't know where from. And he's talking. The time has come to look not beyond ourselves, but to ourselves. I will lead you. It is for this moment that I have come to you. He's talking about he's lead us into the new light. And then at the end, you get like these pastors coming on. They're like, what you just saw is probably very similar to what's been happening over the past couple of days for you. What you've just seen is a dramatization of what we think the news may have looked like in very recent days. You see, the world you're sitting in right now is a completely different world than the one I'm sitting in recording this message. An event the Bible calls the rapture has taken place, and millions or even billions of people have vanished from the face of the earth. You know, while we can't begin to imagine what the world you're sitting in right now must be like, we can at least say we knew this was going to happen. And we can answer many of the questions that are so important to you right now. Yeah, it's amazing. So I came across that recently. Uh, I It actually was in, uh, slipped into the VHS that I have here, Revelation, which is the, um, it's a four-part rapture series um, produced by the people who produced Left Behind, the Lalandas, uh, yes. Peter and Paul, um, and who also created this this video. And so this was like Left Behind right before Left Behind. Um, and they actually got in some like, you know, bigger celebrities than you'd expect. So like Gary Busey and Mr. T are, 
are. Yes. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Mr. T is in part four. God help her. No, sweetheart. God help those who help themselves. They're already calling us terrorists. I say it's time we do something about it. Violence is the only thing this dude understand. Black guy for black guy. Broken tooth for broken tooth. Yeah, so this video is <laughs> something that's unironically made for you to like keep in your house or church or what have you, or even put in like your 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 rapture pack for those who will be <laughs> left behind. So once the rapture happens, they can go to like your house and you know find yeah. this tape and, and pop it in and then it will explain everything that's happening. And I thought that this was just a trope in movies that like writers made up in order to like keep the plot going so the characters can have some sort of right. exposition and, and explanation on, on what's happening. And it turns out they're real. And so I own yeah. one uh, I, and I digitized it. I put it on YouTube. It's, it's crazy. It blew my mind. Um, <laughs> The, oh, man, man. The, left, the left behind stuff. Now that you you mentioned that series, I know I've seen one because I remember Howie Mandel was in one, and thinking how weird that is that <laughs> Howie Mandel was in that movie. So Franco Macaluso's right. Who? Franco Macaluso. Or the head of the European Unity Project. He doesn't need a Bible. He has something better. The truth. You see, we can all do the kinds of miracles that God and Jesus can do, but first. We have to come together. When I was a kid, I used to think like, oh, well, if they're in this movie, they must be a Christian. Why else would you be in this movie? Right, right. <laughs> Howie Mandel just needed a paycheck at the time. <laughs> well, who who would agree to be in a, a rapture movie except someone who believes in it, I thought. Hey, exactly, you know? yeah. It's a big moment in a, in a young Christian's life when they realize that not all the actors in Christian movies <laughs> are Christians. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's a strange thing. But he was in the, the official Left Behind movie, the actual yes. based on the books. Great people are missing. Dozens of seats empty. Your shoes, the clothes, the last is crazy. The left behind, the people are gone. Maybe the common factor isn't in those who were taken. Maybe it's in those who are left behind. You have you read those books? I read the uh, the kid series that they put out along with it. Yeah. But I, I see. I thought. In my head, when they released the books, I was like, there can only be like four, right? Like, how long can you stretch this out? I didn't know there was like 30 of them. And the kids were like, seven oh. year tribulation. It's <laughs> <laughs> you hit the high notes and then you get out, but they just kept that going. And then they made a prequel. So, like, how <laughs> grubby can you be? <laughs> I remember when they came out and they were like very popular and it was just accepted as true. Like this is like they, yeah. they wrote a book explaining no one read Revelation. No one read the Bible. We just let read Left Behind. Like we had to know everything you had to know about eschatology and Left Behind. Yeah, I think that's part of the allure of it. I actually never read the books. I owned one of the kids' ones and then I just never read it. Um, There's a lot of kids' ones. But, I the kids' ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's part of the allure of, of some of these is that it, it almost reads as like a theological manuscript in a way for, for many people or, or like this is kind of the, the key to understanding and unlocking all the mysteries of scripture, you know, supposedly and, and, and not even scripture, but just like the world that you live in. And, and it's kind of the rubric to interpret everything that happens. Man, I, but yeah, the, I see. I see less of that now, but I do remember as a kid because I grew up independent, fundamental Baptist, like small mm. church, you know, and that was it. I mean, that you we were just waiting yeah. for the rapture, like we, one, you know, anything year two thousand. That was it. I mean, come on, Y two K. It's time. Oh, yeah. Two thousand years. Boom. That's enough. And that's, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, all the computers are gonna die. We're gonna need the mark of the beast. We're gonna chip. I was like eleven or twelve in year two thousand. So yeah, I, I was like right there. <laughs> like my parents stocked up food and or my grandparents oh. uh, stocked up water and, and canned food and stuff. And they're prepping. They're prepping before preppers. Like they're ready. And uh, and nothing happened. Like, no, Unfortunately, just, nothing happened. We just so. sat on that water like a bunch of sharks. Ate beans and corn for two thousand. So yeah. left behind. I was I was reading up on it, and uh, they said that the name is directly from the song, right? Because the song was written for the the oh, yeah. original Rapture movie, A Thief in the Night, which is that song was everywhere i thought dc talk wrote it the children died the days grew cold a piece of bread goodbye a bag of gold i wish we all been ready and there's no time to change your mind the sun has come and you've been left It was Cover. Larry Larry Norman, uh, Christianity's Neil Neil Young, wrote that song <laughs> specifically for that movie. movie. Actually, it was written a little bit before the movie. Sorry to oh, okay. to, to no, no, So, no. so this is this is just already in the in the mainstream, not mainstream, but it was already part of like the the hippie Jesus movement. It was on his first album that I think was released in 1969. Okay, wow. So about, wow. Th about three years before uh, the uh, the movie came out. Solomon, I'm envious. Can you show your your goods that you have right now? Because you have, I didn't know that A Thief in the Night had three sequels. Yeah, they were doing the sequel for anybody my mom, else. Was. My mom was kind enough to to <laughs> give me all for A Thief in the Night, Distant Thunder, Image of the Beast, and Prodigal Planet. I don't know if there's more after this, but I think this might be the no, I think that's the whole. whole run. That's awesome. Extended edition, Lord of the Rings disc. <laughs> I've got more. That's oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I uh, I only have one um, from the series. I have Image of the Beast, uh, and it's a very faded, you know, cover. But oh, look at that oh, cover, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, the 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 horsemen are like cops. Yeah, they? they're like <laughs> the bad guys. Yeah, they're not. They're like cop. They're billy clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, in my opinion, with the series, each one gets better than than the last, actually. So yeah. I think that is a credit. Um, it's a it's a rare moment where uh, they, each one kind of ends up getting getting better than the others. Is more watchable than the others, at least. The other thing that you know, the Left Behind got the remake in uh, in Nick Cage. Yeah, I know you all want answers, and believe me, so do I. And I'll do my best to get them. I heard some doctors talking. It's not just here. It's all over the world. That one didn't That's get a cool. sequel, the, the new Left Behind one. And that one was like, I, I read a whole thing online that that was their second hope. Like the 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 authors are really, were really hoping that this was going to take off. The second one, this was going to be like the Christian disaster movie and we we're going to have a blockbuster. And it just either did MCU, not they just like build it. Yeah, they're going to build it. They're going to fold in all the books and everything. Uh, Nick Fury comes out at the end. Sam Jackson's a recruit. <laughs> <laughs> to recruit. It, ends with, it ends with Nicolas Cage beating up the Antichrist in the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'd write it at least. The true <laughs> sacred text. <laughs> um, oh, I remember these movies being so boring when I watched them. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, you know, watched them like 
They were just so slow. They're so well, boring. They and and it was that seventies, eighties uh, filming where everybody looks sweaty. You ever notice that? <laughs> like in like in the you've watched Bonanza or like Gunsmoke or those old western stuff. Like it's so sweaty. And there's no, they're yeah. like they're staring in that sunlight and it's like blazing heat. <laughs> Sweating. Little house on the fire, like, oh God, looks terrible. Twilight, Twilight Zone is the best. In Twilight Zone, everybody's sweating and manic. Like everybody's got food poisoning. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's uh, one thing that I'm glad that, that that we've tried to fix in, in contemporary cinema is just eliminating the sweat of things. Uh, <laughs> With that high def, man, you can't hide anything anymore. Yeah, hey, yeah. something. Get well, the the problem with the Christian movies is the same problem that they have now is that it's it's written by non-writers, filmed by non-filmmakers, and acted by non-actors. So of course, it's not going to be good. Like, right? It, you know, you said at the beginning that your, your art is not necessarily a sermon. Their sermon is not art. They're just making a sermon. Like that's the point right. of it. It's not meant to be good or entertaining. It's just meant to right. preach. Right. That's the the main problem. So like with uh, say take for instance the first movie, A Thief in the Night uh, of that series. Um, very boring. Lots of boring sequences oh. of really poorly written exposition and kind of quoting Bible verses at each other and like, you know, lame excuses for why you don't want to give your life to Jesus because you're just selfish and, you know, you think it'd be boring. I met Jesus Christ. I know what that guy was talking about. I'm a Christian now. Well, that's great, Jenny. I hope it works out well for you. Christ will give you the strength and the encouragement that you need to overcome all your difficulties if you'll let him. You know, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, what's interesting is whenever they move away from that a little bit and try to focus just on creating like a movie, there are some good sequences. Uh, so like I actually love the opening of the movie. I think it's it's pretty creative for a low budget film. Um where it just has that ticking clock right, yeah and, and you know the the time goes up and then and then the you know the alarm goes off and you just hear like the um you know the announcer kind of talking or the the, the person on the radio talking right, a little yeah. bit in the background and reports keep coming in from all over the globe confirming it as true to say that the world is in a state of shock this morning would be to understate the situation the event seems to have taken place at the And this person slowly discovering that everyone's gone. And, um, you know, I, like that's that's pretty decent filmmaking. Uh, you know, not bad. Entertaining draws you in at least. The suspense is there, with especially with that sound effect. Really good. Um, there's some other moments. He finds too. His, yeah. uh, his electric shaver in the sink. That's actually yeah. really That's kind of a good touch. That, yeah, yeah, kind. yeah. There's a there's a great moment in the second movie wherever she's um, uh, going to her grandmother's house and seeing if her grandmother's there and it has like a um, you know a landline phone that's dangling and kind of making that beeping noise and swinging back and forth and there's this like eerie eerie uh, guitar noise as she's walking through the house and it looks like maybe somebody's broken in is she in danger is uh, you know it's very suspenseful it reminds me of Granny. Well, it reminds me of like the scene with uh, Brad Pitt in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's going to check on the the blind guy that owns the ranch. Oh yeah, and it's like super. It's 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 basically that. Um, it's really fan. well done. Tarantino yeah. could do a horror movie. He that should. Was, that yeah. was a great scene. 
as yeah. as much as it like didn't go anywhere, like what you didn't know, like very non Tarantino to not have someone with a sword standing at the end of the hall, you know. <laughs> yeah, <that>. yeah. <laughs> but it was good. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but again, the problem is that they, they move really heavily in trying to uh fill up as much space as possible in the movie with a type of sermon or with a type of um conveying some sort of uh this sounds really pejorative, but cheap religious kind of feeling in the audience. Um, and so in that sense, there's a really good article, I think it was written by The Guardian, I'm not sure, but um, argues that uh, Christian movies are currently the most successful form of exploitation cinema. Yes. Um, and an exploitation film for anyone that's watching that doesn't know is a very cheaply made movie, low budget, um, poor acting, poor, quality that kind of sells you on one thing so like maybe it's a horror movie and so it's not well made but you get to see some blood and guts and so like i guess or there's like you know maybe you get to see some nudity or something and everything else about the movie is terrible um so it just kind of sells you on one shock value or something like that and so christian films uh rather than you know blood or sex or nudity they instead sell you a type of um easy fix for like a type of like religious emotion and there's nothing else to the movie. Um, and so they're made really uh, for, for no money and then they make way more than it costs. So right. you have like now secular companies are starting their own branches of, of uh, you know, to make Christian films because it's just an easy investment. Well, I mean, that's what happened with Christian music too, right? That it was yeah. it was a couple of dudes with guitars and pianos, and then it blew up, and now you know EMI is buying it up, and they have the whole division that's just for Christian music of major record companies. Yeah, it's that commodification. It you know talking about it more, it's not as as weird to think that you use Christian culture to do you know capitalist critique in your art because it's so so marketable. It's it's just it's there. Uh, it is, what's, yeah. what's your favorite exploitation movie if you have one my favorite exploitation film yeah. um one that i've come across recently that i absolutely love that's probably more on topic for us is uh this film recently acquired the big <laughs> box vhs uh it's called monster hunter or absurd um and uh, you can find it on youtube the whole thing is available um it's from like the 80s uh, and I think it's a genius movie. Um, it's maybe not the, it's not perfect, uh, cause you know, budget, budget constraints, um, but it's still really well made. Uh, the pacing is good. It keeps you engaged. It's action. So it's basically, um, and, and it's religious themed as well. Um, I, uh, so it, you know, has this kind of Christian, um, horror aspect to it. Um, and so basically you have this, uh, it's a slasher film. And so there's this kind of guy who um, can't be killed. Uh, his body, he's like a Wolverine or Deadpool character. So he okay. regenerates whenever, it, you can only kill him by chopping his head off. Um, oh, and this, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like the, he, he's the kind of monster and the monster hunter is actually a priest who, you know, came across him and is trying to stop him. Um, and so this guy is kind of going on a rampage uh, throughout the town, killing people. Um, and the, the final girl of, of the movie, um, the, you know, the kind of the heroine is actually this disabled, um, uh, young teenage girl, hmm. um, that, uh, she's kind of the, the Laurie Strode or the, you know, uh, of that film. 
Uh, and I think it's brilliant because I recently I've been really into what's called disability criticism within uh, um, uh, literature and especially like within scripture I'm, I'm mm -hmm. most fascinated by. So it's not criticism as in like, you know, trying to point out all the things that you don't like, but, right. uh, you know, a lens through which you interpret things and, mm -hmm. and kind of read from a certain perspective. And so it's reading scripture, for example, through the lens of someone who has a disabled body um, and, and you know, dealing with that type mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, an ailment of the body or sickness, or um, maybe you're harboring like trauma, um, you know, kind of that, you know, psychological thing that that influences the way that you can uh, physically move throughout the world or how you kind of physically relate to your own body. Um, and this film, I think, is just a great work of disability criticism um, because you have this character who is, so the term is ableism, which means like where you very much privilege people who are not disabled and you don't make the proper accommodations and and, and things set in place and, and uh, proper properly treat with love and and concern people with disabled bodies where you ignore their needs and just focus on abled bodied people so you have this guy who is the embodiment of ableism and it's going through and it's destroying things and uh the priest character uh comes to this recognition he even has this line where he says i recognize that uh this is actually like the spawn of satan i know what you are thinking but there is nothing of human left in him. He is creature of evil. The spark of God was smothered the moment the devil took possession of him. And so you have this priest character who declares that ableism is mm. demonic. Ableism is satanic. And he says, we have to cut it off at the head. It's not enough just mm. to try to like poke the body here and there. You have to eliminate it. Um, and the hero of this movie ends up being uh, a disabled person who um conquers uh ableism and I, I i think it's a great movie uh you know it's a great sermon um <laughs> uh, the soundtrack is also fantastic uh as well so i highly recommend it for anyone to read it through out. that perspective yeah so Are you familiar the, with uh, justin peters justin peters yeah he's a i don't a think i am he's a pastor he's a, um great pastor great writer and ministries and stuff and he has cerebral palsy and he's like very oh, much gotcha. against, he's very much against like prosperity gospel and like yeah yeah uh, you're healed kind of thing and he's like yeah i've been to those and i still have cerebral palsy right. <laughs> you know kind right. of like, outspoken about those kind of things, but like a solid faithful theologian like really cool yeah yeah that's awesome um that, that's one of those kind of yeah a little off topic one of those aspects in the scripture that's always kind of uh, I guess, especially in America, once again, prosperity is that idea that like, well, if, if God loves you, you're never sick. If God loves you, you're never hurt. Like, and there's a whole faith. sequence. You have right? enough faith. If you have right. enough faith. Well, and there's yeah, that your whole problem. sequence. It's your fault. Yeah. Right. That whole Victim sequence blaming, when yeah. uh, the disciples and Jesus are walking and they find the man who was born blind. And they're like, well, whose mm -hmm. sin was he born blind for? And he's like, well, nobody's sin. That's not what it was for. It was for the glory of God yeah. to be revealed in him. That whole, you know, it's, I don't know. Off topic, but I just that's interesting. I never thought of it from that way before. Yeah, it's it's it, there's great great discussion coming out of it. Um, great insight, great theological insight, great for for preaching and the work of the church and and uh, making us think about how we uh, treat other people, making sure that everyone gets treated with with the love and the affection that they need. Mm. So on the exploitation, uh, you turned me on to this dude, Ron Ormond. Yes, who is my new hero. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. yeah mind-blowing never <laughs> thought it could happen 
this the that idea of a grindhouse director who is i wrote down the name of his his movies because i was like this is fascinating uh yes. there, there's another another channel on youtube called preacher boys who kind of from the same thing they're more they're more focused on critiquing the ifb movement and kind of some of the the darkness that's hidden under those kind of cult of personality people but uh they yeah. were talking about this guy and they went through a list of his movies before his his big one he had yeah. untamed mistress yes. uh the exotic ones King of the Bullwhip, which I really want to see because that sounds awesome. Uh, on the Mesa of Lost Women and the Girl from Tobacco Road. Those are his. Uh, there's also the Zombie and the Stripper. Oh, <laughs> or sorry, the Monster and the Stripper, uh, oh, which is the one that he made right before converting to Christianity. <laughs> Complete 180. <laughs> That's so good. How was oh, he converted? Good. Do we know how he was converted? Or like how? Yes. Uh, so he. Um, was kind of like a, a movie producer and, and everything. And he owned his own plane um, and he was in a plane crash mm. and survived. Yeah. And uh, I think he was like in a second one too, or, or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, he like, was, somebody, he like had a really unfortunate <laughs> series of incidents involving planes and somehow managed to survive and interpreted it as like a miracle from God. Mm. Uh, and so he then said like, I need to change my life. And he converted to Christianity and said, well, I make movies, so I guess I'll start making Christian movies. <laughs> so he had a yeah. Martin Luther moment. He's the yeah, Martin Luther of cinema. Oh, <laughs> be saved. Just save me. <laughs> yes. So then he I'll hooks up movies. with – Man, he hooks up with this uh, – and if I'm saying his name wrong, please tell me this preacher who I've never heard of, uh, Estes Prick Perkle? Estes Perkle. Estes Perkle, yeah. Yeah, and they make If Footmen Tire You, What yeah. Will Horses Do? which is a propaganda anti-communism movie. Yes. Um, Phil, yeah. It's nuts. It is. So he kind of films a sermon that, so Estes Perkle was going around the country giving this sermon. And you can actually, like he even made, you know, vinyl records of it. And so Ron Orman films Estes Perkle giving this sermon. Um, but it's filled with all sorts of, stories about all the ways that the communists are going to torture your kids if they say that they love Jesus and all these horrific things, <laughs> that, that, you know, the ways that they could possibly torture you for being a Christian and being an American. And so then you'll work seven days a week, 363 days out of the year. You'll only have two days a year off. Those two days will be used to praise the communists take over. Time will weigh heavy upon you and the hands of the clock will seem to stand still. Even heavier on your heart will be the memory of seeing children lying dead in the streets. Who are these children? They are Christian boys and girls who refuse to give up their faith in Christ. Had they yielded to the demands to become atheistic communists, they could have lived. Yet because they chose to remain steadfast to Jesus Christ, they had to be annihilated to keep them from contaminating the minds of other boys and girls. And so then Ron Orman dramatizes those stories uh so you have instances of like i think it's either a bamboo shoot or nails that they like stick oh. through a kid's ear and he's like puking everywhere and they <laughs> have to they like um tie up this guy to like a, a rope over like some pitchforks that are stuck in the ground and they make his kids like pull the rope that so he's like getting impaled on them a uh, guy like chops off a little kid's head and um you know all, all sorts of crazy torture things that are all filmed in this movie with cheap gore but it's still like gross uh and this is th these were made to be shown in churches 
god. Well, I mean, if you say they're Christian, it's fine, right? Like you, can yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's a Christian movie. That's man, that's nuts. The the second one was the one that really I was like, this guy is a genius. Was the the burning hell? The burning hell. <laughs> the guy with like the, the the goat yay paint on his face that was. Doing- <laughs> I love that. Yes, it, it, I, that's like one of my favorite characters. It, the most fabulous demon in hell. I love yeah. it. You must have just arrived. I don't remember seeing you before. How long have you been dead? I don't. His name is Faziel. He chopped off the head of John the Baptist and gave it to Salome. And he's not allowed to forget. He thinks everyone's John the Baptist. You're not John the Baptist. That's amazing. I thought it looked like that guy Svengooli. You ever see that guy Svengooli who like does the midnight movie things uh, on like I think it's Chicago or oh, somewhere. That he's sounds like, familiar. It's like got white and with the black eyes and like the like a little painted <laughs> on goatee, <laughs> like a top hat. He's like he's like the male Elvira. He's not like Elvira, but he's like the male oh, yeah. guy of Elvira. And he's like that's this, awesome. The short little fat guy. He looks like an Oompa Loompa or something. But yeah, he's yes. got that same white with the black eyes and the top hat and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh man, it, but those it's so it's so schlocky and it's still kind mm-hmm. of hard to not watch yeah it's it, so it, good it, it's they're 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 crazy um over the top things that they come up with the all the acting is bad it's just <laughs> pure fear-mongering propaganda to the extreme of yeah you know, I, I think you said it trying to scare the hell out of people you know like literally <laughs> really? um, and i mean yeah i mean that literally uh you know that that's the whole goal and these were Again, I, it's so fascinating to me. They were shown in churches. I own a little flyer. Um, I, I don't have it with me. It's at my house back in back in Texas. But uh, you know, I have like a little flyer of you know promotional pictures that would have been put on a uh, church's yeah. like bulletin board, <laughs> advertising <laughs> the burning hell. And you have this demon character. In I wish, oh, man, man. I, I wish there was somebody like that now. Because like yeah. the church, the church movies now, the Christian movies now. They're boring, but they're also bland. Like they're bad, yes. but they're bland. So it's like a no life to it. Yeah, I just I want somebody nuts. I want John Waters to convert and just start making <laughs> Christian movies and just go nuts with them. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, but my favorite part from all of this too, because like when we talk about weird imagery that you saw in church, the the ultimate culprit was Jack Chick. Mm. Like the Chick tracks are horrifying in every way that a thing can be horrifying no. and they're just they're handing them out like so I those, used to- those are my first comics uh or <laughs> one of my first comics is those chick chat i love comics like when i you know yeah julie and i, julie and I worked in a comic book store together oh, in, awesome. in, here in san antonio so like yeah comics oh, has been cool. a big part of our life in, or my life at least and yeah it's like comics were like a big one because we had them with the church and yeah I just read them and and that actually created a lot of my first imagery of like God and angels and demons and stuff of like, mm. what are, you know, when you read the Bible, when you think about it, like that, uh, the lake of fire, like that was the first time I ever saw a depiction of a lake of fire like in a cave in the dark. And, yeah. you know, so like whenever I think about hell and these things, I have these black and white little square <laughs> little panels of, of hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these things inform your your imagination, your your cognitive mapping of of religion yeah. and your your religious yeah. experiences yeah. influenced by these. Yeah. 
That is it's, it's like, yeah, it's a cognitive mapping, like, because that it, it just frames these first like kind of images. I remember one called uh, "This Was Your Life." That was a really yes. popular one. Yeah, that was. Mm -hmm. a popular one. That was a really popular one. It was a guy. Yeah, I think I won that one. Yeah. Yeah, and like he uh, showed him his whole life on a screen. Yeah. And at, that got to me because I was like, "Wow, let's see." I still even think about that, like. We're just gonna watch it like a movie, like all, all <laughs> however long, like you sit there for thirty I, years. Or dude, I hope so, because if it is, I'm gonna heckle you during that. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. Boo. Next guy, boo. Yeah. Toss him. Yeah. <laughs> dude, th there was a couple of those at Harvard. There was one that I I can't remember the name of it, but it scared me for life. Uh, I, I want to say it was called Trust Me or something like this, and it's about a kid who tries heroin. And gets a dig, and it's it's extra weird because it's drawn in that super cartoony Jack Chick style. Yeah, it's not like the more realistic ones that the other guy do. No, it's him. And this kid tries heroin, and he gets hooked. So then he starts stealing stuff to buy more heroin. And he the whole thing is everybody tells him trust me. And he goes to this one guy. He's like, hey, trust me, it's good stuff. And it's a cop. So then he gets arrested, and then he goes Ooh. to jail, and then he gets AIDS in jail because he gets raped. This is all drawn in that Jack Chick like cartoon stuff. Yeah. It, like he's what? and it's so it's so weird because it <sighs> looks like like a cartoon. Like and but he's laying in a hospital it's like bed. Like a family circus yes. style. Yes. Like. Dude, he's laying a, it's like Ziggy. He's laying <laughs> yes. in a bed with Blondie. a thermometer and there's a little there's a doctor standing by him, a cartoon doctor saying, "Yes, he has AIDS." And I'm like, "Oh my god. What is Gosh. this?" He's it's, got the cloud yeah. above him with the little star. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, oh man, that's it's just rough, sick. That, that should, yeah, that should uh, just like uh, uh, um, delegitimize anyone uh, at that point. If you're using yeah. like rape as shock value for that's not even for the worst bot, one. That's that's just despicable. And that's that's not well, even that the worst that. one that he made. Yeah, yeah. There, there, it, there was it's, a lot. Yeah, so many. I have a conflicted relationship with it because there was one that I, uh, the, the other one that sticks out to me that was actually kind of sweet. I always thought when I was growing up was it was called somebody loves me. And it was about this little, it, it's like horrible for the first half and then it's okay. I guess a little kid who is begging on the street for money for his dad's drinking habit. And then he comes home without any money. So his dad throws him out and he's like living on the streets and some other little cartoony girl comes and talks to him about Jesus and the whole thing is like, even if your life sucks, somebody loves you. So he, he like he dies and goes to heaven, and that always stuck with me too. I was like, wow, that's kind of sweet. Like it's kind of it's kind of you know nice. A little but bit, then, a little bit in a better direction. Yeah, right. It's as opposed <laughs> to the other one, man. They were all over the map. But uh, some of those too, though, like uh, some parts too of like you know dying in your sin and always things like, where's the lie? You know, like yeah, I mean, <laughs> third thing like. Yeah, it sucks. Like that's yeah, you gotta go to hell. Like I mean, you, you could soften the blow a little better and and share the truth in love a little bit more. But I mean, the true biblical truth was there in a lot of those. Uh, yeah, the one <laughs> but they that, did get a little racist and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and well, I, I wrote an article about Jack Chick that'll be in our zine if you subscribe to it. Um, about how the thing that I saw with him a lot was a lot of passion and dedication with very little discernment. Like just yeah. no, nobody was editing this guy. He was just full on going for it on everything. Right. And the my favorite stuff was not even the tracks. He actually put out a whole line of comic books that were, uh, they were called Crusader comics. And it was <laughs> oh, about this, I own one of those. Oh, they're awesome. I, I wish I still had them. I might be able to dig them out somewhere, but 
they were drawn by this guy who I looked up because I needed to know who drew him. There's actually a documentary. If you can find it, it's impossible to find anywhere now, but I saw it years ago called God's Cartoonist. And it's a documentary about Jack Chick and the oh, kind of oh, culture wow. that's going oh, around. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Out look that up. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, that sounds fascinating. There's a, car- yeah. a cartoonist that worked for him named Fred Carter, who in, in another world, this guy was drawing Teen Titans in the 80s. Like he's good. He's mm. a solid artist. Oh. But he was drawing these Jack Chick. As George Perez. The yeah, George exactly. <laughs> exactly. The no, George Perez of Christian Cox. <laughs> dude, if you read it, he's drawing like these. He's they're called the Crusaders, and they're like these twenty-something sexy dudes who are fighting satanic hippies. Like they're <laughs> they're way too jacked to be evangelists, but they are. <laughs> everybody's a satanist. Everybody's doing human sacrifices. <laughs> it's it's of course, nuts. Of course. And then all the covers are oil paintings that he did. <laughs> And so, like, there's the Alex Ross. Of, yeah, of, dude, this guy. He, <laughs> I wish more people knew about him. What, uh, what is I, he called again? His name's Fred Carter. Fred Carter. Fred gotcha. Carter. Yeah, he's. I, I don't know if he has a, a site or anything. He's an older, an older man. By at this point, he's got to be in his seventies. So I don't know if he has any kind of like anything anywhere. But yeah, his stuff was really good. There was. I that was one of the first times I ever saw the flood depicted in like stark realism. And he did this, mm. this beautiful oil painting of a cover for the flood. And you just see like a guy clinging to a boulder as he's being rushed down with water and like somebody holding a baby up, trying not to drown. Oh my like, gosh. It's horrifying, but it's like lovingly rendered. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. My, I, I don't have too much of a relationship with Jack Chick. Uh, uh, like, you know, it, it, at least not, not to the extent that y'all do. I, I don't, my family, I don't think was ever into him. Um, mm. So that, that, that didn't really, influenced me i did find a chick track at a, a restroom one time at a community college so like that was a strange placement um yeah like i you know you again, I, I about just, evolution and new age <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or um i play dungeons and dragons sometimes with my friends so like if i you know if you stay in the dungeons and dragons world everyone eventually makes reference to the to the one that he made which is where of course playing dungeons yeah. and dragons makes you think that magic is real and yeah. so then you, you you know can your it's real life and so yeah. like if you know if someone dies and their character dies in the game and so they kill themselves in real life i remember and, that yeah. which is just like a horrible you know again like handling you know sexual assault in the worst possible way handling suicide in the worst possible way right yeah, yeah I, I think i just i disagree with him on like literally everything um <laughs> <laughs> like his theology is execution like i i couldn't possibly disagree with this man more but i i've actually used him before like in teaching settings or whatever is like illustrations of what not to do or like what not to think or like how not to depict scripture or Christianity or anything. He's there. The, the thing that I really, the Dungeons and Dragons thing is so weird. There's a, if you get a chance, man, there's a, a podcast on Spotify called conviction and it's a true crime okay. podcast. Uh, the last season they did was about the satanic panic. Oh so yeah. They, That's they, one of my favorite. Yeah, they interview uh, people who went to jail because of it, people who were supposedly victims of it, and they just do like six episodes on how this crime wave and all this stuff never happened, but it took America yeah. by storm. Like it was just a real thing. It's nuts. Yeah, exactly. I have a uh, – um, uh, this is like the gold standard of <laughs> Christian, <laughs> satanic panic propaganda 
Pagan Invasion, Halloween Trick or Treat. You can find several copies of it on on digitized on YouTube. Oh, yeah, these things are fascinating. Um, it's actually this is done a series hosted by Chuck Smith, who was the founder of Vineyard Vines Church, which was uh, no uh, Calvary Chapel, I think. Anyways, it was yes, super yeah. influential on the uh, the Jesus Freak movement of the seventies, eighties, mm. and then he ended up as like a um, you know satanic panic propagandist. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a fascinating. Uh, did y'all celebrate Halloween growing up? No, I did. Sure didn't. We did I did. <laughs> I did with my dad, but not my mom. My parents were divorced, so <laughs> so we I, yeah, we had the we had the church harvest festival uh, things. Oh yeah, know, fall the, festival. The, yeah. yeah, the trunk or treat, which is basically you dress up like Bible characters and stuff, right. but like it's Halloween. <laughs> It's Halloween, it's yeah. but we're yeah. <laughs> at church instead. Yeah, right. But I remember Adventures in Odyssey. Uh, do you know mm. Adventures in Odyssey? Yes. That, that's yep. another. That's another depiction of of I think good writing, just like the radio drama thing. I love radio dramas. Um, and so like <laughs> that that whole idea. Like I loved Adventure. I had so many tapes. I had them all on tape, and one mm. of them was called "What Are We Going to Do About Halloween." And it was kind of go, kind of went through the whole thing of like the you know Halloween and Odyssey and what they're gonna do. And I remember they were having like a deacons meeting or whatever at the very beginning. And I was little, I was like eight, maybe seven or eight, something like that. And I, they was talking about uh, they had me he's like, all right, you know, we got to keep our children safe. And we've all heard <laughs> this guy says, we've all heard about the apples with razor blades and brownies with drugs in them but we gotta really think of, and, I, and i'm thinking I'm, i used to listen to them at night like when i go to sleep and i'm like with my bed sheets and i'm like that's the first time i ever heard about like poisoning candy or something and i was just like what razor blades and apples and i started thinking about like oh yeah you just slide them in I'm like <laughs> I didn't eat apple for like years after that. <laughs> something that's something that's never happened like one time. But like no yeah, yeah. documentation. And what I love right. though is that you can get your candy x-rayed at some hospitals to make sure it's not poison. So it wasn't poison before, but it sure is now after we irradiate it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's oh, it's yeah. and I also love the idea of like these people who like have their drugs and they're just like the, the money that you, I, I don't know, I'm assuming drugs are expensive or at least not yeah. like investment. <laughs> uh, and you're just like taking that investment and then just like indiscriminately like giving it out to these random kids and you're like, <laughs> you'll never see, I, I guess like as a prank that you'll never witness or you'll something. Never see. Like, yeah, that's true. I heard like, someone say out. like, nobody's nobody's wasting their drugs on Halloween candy. That's a good <laughs> point. That, yeah. That's a really good point. That's true. <laughs> the So the, the Christian thing is always, that's the thing that kills me about Christianity is always the cheap version. Like we don't do Halloween, we do uh, harvest festivals. Like it's the same yeah. thing, but less fun. The other thing that we do is the Hell House, which mm. I've, I've only been to one ever. Like I wasn't aware of it until much later when I was a teenager. And I only went to that one because I had a crush on a girl that was doing it. And she was like, oh, you should come. And I was like, I'm for sure going. <laughs> that was the first and only time I ever went to a hell house. And that, I, mean, I sent Solomon a clip from a <laughs> hell house that I saw on YouTube. Oh, my it's, God. It's like a living Jack Chick comic. Yeah. It is. It's amazing. They're crazy. Uh, usually really, really poor acting as well. Um so again, it, it's it's like a living kind of Christ exploitation exploitation uh, theater production in a way. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I've been expecting you. 
We're all going to have so much fun tonight here in our Hell House. <laughs> so let's get this party started, huh? Um, that is, you know, very poor acting, poor, you know, directing and, and all that kind of stuff, but just relies on that shock value right. um, of scaring people of, you know, you know, you, you're going to go to hell and, and be tortured forever and, you know, coming up with creative, low budget ways to try to torture some uh, youth group <laughs> volunteer, uh, you know, some teenager that, you know, uh, is volunteering and everything. So, yeah, they're crazy. I've never been to one. Uh, I know people like growing up like in because, in, again, I went to a, a private Christian school. And so, like, I knew people that that went to them. Uh, we're talking about it. And uh, all I remember is him saying that uh, there is a scene where a kid commits suicide and uh, and goes to hell. Um, which again, like taking these really sensitive topics, because I, I, I don't want people to think that I'm making fun of, of mental health and suicide, but I'm yeah. baffled how incompetently it's handled by some of these Christian groups. Of, you're taking this really serious, sensitive subject and then like, using it for your exploitation uh theatrical performances and it's like on top of suicide you're also going to go to hell um, <laughs> and it's just like this this really really like terrible message but i remember him them saying like they use a, a blank um in like the gun that that the kid uses to take his own life and oh so God. it's like an actual gunshot so so i remember them talking about that um and, and of course uh, yeah you can find some of these on youtube it's always fun to watch the performance of the devil because oh, it's always it. some like uh uh you know old dad that is in or like just one of the deacons that has a low voice in the church that they like put some cheap red makeup on and give him a black robe and then he just like goes around i am the enemy of your soul i am lucifer and you will stay in hell with me forever i am beelzebub the prince of darkness Bow down before me! <laughs> yeah, I went to a few houses when I was a kid. I remember before we had to wait because it was like it was another church that was putting it on in, in Wichita Falls, and uh, they they had us wait. And before we watched it, before we went, we had like while we were waiting, we watched um, a comedy, a Christian com comedy video, and uh, it was this guy named Mark Lowry. And oh, yeah. I, I actually like Mark. He's pretty funny. He's like this like Southern Texan guy, you know, and uh, like straight '90s, straight, you know. But we, we like, I guess to like lighten you up and like to not get scared and to loosen you up, whatever. It is. And you know, it's funny, or whatever. And it's like, all right, time to go in. Yeah, and you like this whole group goes in, and <laughs> yeah, dude. I remember what the biggest thing I remember were uh, an abortion. Yes. Operation. Oh, that's always featured. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. and. They it was it was like but the, but it was like blinking and it was all scary and and dark and yeah. evil and stuff and but it was like an operating room and it was an abortion going on it was like I think I barely knew like what even that was and yeah yeah and that was getting a getting a a a, a red soaked hot wing thrown at me that was <laughs> supposed to be a <laughs> supposed to Wait, be a fetus no are, are you kidding no they had like they're they like. 
uh, and then like got in there like had it in the bucket or something and she like throws the bucket down and it splatters out and, and you're like holy shit what is that and like <laughs> and, it, and it's like a bloody hot wing or some piece of chicken or something and yeah and it's like <laughs> i'm speechless I, that's yeah. the most extreme i've ever heard yeah, dude, oh they, they had gosh. it. They have it, and then and then uh, the the one that really got me too. But the, uh, I see it was weird because like we went with our church and like my I think my mom, and the, there was kind of an explanation even for my like independent fundamental Baptist church. There was like we didn't have to talk with the kids after <laughs> <laughs> the thing, so we like talked and stuff. And and I remember somebody saying like that's you know. It's a little dramatic, or it's a little, you know. And they're trying. The point they pointed me to the Bible. They were like, "Look, this is right. what they're trying to say with scripture, like how this works." And because there was a hell, there was a hell scene at the very end. It was always at the end. Mm. Like it was like yeah. a hell. You walk through hell, and it's like all dark and, and scary and stuff. But I remember there was people, and they were like, "Ah, you know, doing the whole hell thing," and but they were like burn victims. They weren't like they were like they had like makeup on of like a burn victim like freddy krueger yeah. like melting flesh kind of thing and there was this lady screaming at everybody saying why didn't you tell me why didn't yeah, you yeah. tell me you know and and that yeah. was like oh, i'm sorry like yeah it was it is a lot of freaky scary crap but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was like a that's crazy I, it was like a car accident scene i think or something and it was like oh yeah yeah he died you know one of those things it kind of like, uh, were I, they just sitting in chairs next to each other and then like it's, <laughs> and then, oh! it was like broken glass and someone was like dead and stuff and then like i don't know it was weird this yeah. place had a budget yeah it was pretty weird it was there was like a kitchen yeah. scene or something. i can't remember it was a lot of i think i blocked a lot of that <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah, that's, memories right yeah, now. Was, my my favorite thing is is, is all the death cool. scenes, and, and I know that's terrible, but like watching watching those like youth group kids die in all of their like terrible acting and like the the terrible ways that they come up with it is, um, you know, it, it's yeah, that's that's always the most entertaining part to me. But it's fascinating the like hearing all so like even just the the artistic decision artistic to start with like a comedy routine because like comedy and laughter uh is a way that you kind of like loosen people up you you set down their defenses and right. if you're laughing at something you're able to accept it easier you're able to accept uh this it, like just the, the the instantiation of this propaganda machine that that you you know walk through is is fascinating and then you just like terrify the heck out of these little kids yeah. and then like you you come to them at the very end of like you know now yeah. would you like to hear about the bible after after <laughs> no. you know being <laughs> early all. yeah what's fascinating well, yeah the, the, the way the way my youth pastor like stuff did it was like that that's not quite you know <laughs> I, I remember being that way i remember being that kind of discussion not like now we're gonna tell you the you know it's like let me give you the like actual, you know, let's see what the Bible says about any of these things and what, it, you know, it was, it was more like analyzing it and like processing it and stuff, which I think was good. I mean, you need some kind of like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know? <laughs> and yeah, but it was, I, I remember it being more positive from like my youth pastor and stuff of, of more, you know, yeah. We did the same thing after we watched Passion of the Christ too, because we all went and like saw Passion of the Christ, oh, yeah. mm. and then we like oh, we try to go back to youth group and like play ping pong. We're just like, 
what what movie is it? Up. What what movie is it where they call Passion of the Christ a, a snuff film and it's like a throwaway joke? <laughs> I don't there's, know. There's some teen comedy where they're talking about Passion of the Christ and he's like, oh, whatever, evangelism. That was a snuff film, but I can't remember <laughs> what movie it was. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Passion of the Christ, though, is I, I've written about this on on my my blog. It is definitely a form of torture horror, um, or like the kind of the more slang term torture porn. Right. Um, uh, that was so popular during the early two thousands with films like Saw and Hostel and uh, The Devil's Rejects and and all that kind of stuff. Passion of the Christ, right up in there. Um, mm. That that form of just extreme torture horror. So yeah, Passion of the Christ is a rare instance of uh, again, back to the the Ron Orman, we were talking about how like no one does that anymore. Passion <laughs> right. of the Christ is probably the closest that we've ever done of of just pure, um, like horror, torture, porn type stuff. So what do we do? What what do we do with with those? I guess kind of depictions in in the Bible, um, mm. just like that. They they get pretty gruesome. I mean, in pretty detail, right? I mean. As as anything we would like read or watch today and be like, oh, they're taking it too far. It's like, well, no, that's like scripture. Like, what you know? Should we see scripture in, in the same way, or how do we disassociate that as far as like something like Passion of the Christ in the actual gospel of the crucifixion and and Christ dying on the cross and and it was torturous. I mean, it was a brutal mm -hmm. execution. So it's like, what do we do with that scripturally? I guess. It, do you mind if I – it was, but I think the problem is with a focus. Like with, with the Passion of the Christ, it was this whole idea of like, look what Jesus went through for you, which is true, right? He did go through that horrible death. But the thing that he went through for you was the absorbing the cup of the wrath of God for you. Like that yeah. was the part that was like, do you understand what he did for you? He took the wrath for you and gave you his righteousness but what so, would that look like and there's no way to really show that that's the problem like it's not it's a spiritual idea it's you can't materialize that kind of idea that's like what does um, the holy spirit look like i don't know well i mean a cru well, we know what a crucifixion would look like i mean a right. roman crucifixion and one that was overborn over the limits of, of what usually was allowed as far as uh beatings and and how bloody it was for jesus um I don't know. I'm just trying to think like the Bible's pretty gory and pretty like yeah. bloody. So like what, you know, and, and, and like the story where they dismembered the woman and sent her to different right. people, you know, like there's some stuff that was like, he stabbed him in the, the fat of the skin, folded over his hand. Like <laughs> why zoom in on that? You know, scripturally, you know, if, if yeah. that's not a, you know what I mean? As far as like, well, a, I, I, I do have some thoughts. Um, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, yeah. No, 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 um, no, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, I, and also, I'm, I'm sorry, I know I'm coming on your podcast, but just so I don't lose uh, street cred with my Methodist friends, I'll point out that <laughs> I, I suppose we have some disagreements on the, the atonement theology. But, yeah. Well, uh, well, that's, yeah that's, fine. that's fine. That's a discussion. Let's, let's for get a it out of the, you know, me and Solomon are Reformed Baptists, just so everybody yes. knows where we're coming from. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a United Methodist, um, uh, but, you know, uh, it's cool. Uh, right, <laughs> they didn't want to lose street cred. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they will find me, hunt me down, and uh, and kick me out. You know, go be Episcopalian or something. Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, no, but um, not no disrespect to my Episcopalian friends. Uh, the uh, yeah. So what's interesting about the Passion of the Christ? I, I find the most problematic part of that movie actually to be some of the anti-Semitism that's in it. And, you know, cause it's Mel Gibson and, <laughs> and 
Mel Gibson seeps into the movie and, and all his his kind of anti-Semitic stuff. Well, I mean, is unfortunately his, there. His Catholicism, yeah. his Catholicism kind of seeps into it. That's really yeah. the. It does, yeah, but even his own Catholicism is weird. So, like, I because uh, it's Mel Gibson. But um, what's interesting to me, like, I don't think it's a movie to be repeated. But as like a product of its time, torture horror came out whenever we, as a society, were trying to grapple with our own ambivalence about torture. Mm. Um, this comes out after the uh, Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib right. uh, journal, uh, you know, journalism that's we're, we're being shown the own torture that we as a society are, uh, at least our government is enacting that we are complicit with in many regards. And so people are asking like, are we okay doing this to other people? Mm. And so the Passion of the Christ uh, kind of sociologically comes up and says like, uh, you know, we as humanity loves violence so much that we would be willing to torture God himself if mm. given the opportunity. Um, so in that sense, it's it's a film that forces us to confront our own propensity towards violence and to see God as uh, to see Christ identifying with those who um, are are tortured in, in every respect, not just like people that are deemed criminals by the United States government. But there's lots of other people that are, uh, you know, great people that are tortured by horrible, um, you know, corrupt governments and everything. So. Um, you know, thinking about that, uh, but I, I suppose like to, on the topic of, of violence in the Bible, um, I do think that sometimes like we live in a very, we're very influenced by strong biblical literalism and that seeps into within our Christian arts. It seeps into a very strong kind of like realism, uh, in, in that we think that the only way to do justice to the, to the Bible in our art is to be as realistic depiction as possible. Hmm. Um, and that's not something that we exactly see like in, in the early church, for example, like Augustine and uh, Origen and, and lots of people are really influenced by allegorical readings of um, thinking imaginatively with, with scripture of like, what would it mean to take, uh, I think you mentioned the story of who is, is it Jehu? I don't know. It's in Judges where he stabs the the guy and the fat rolls right, over the, the yeah. skin. Yeah. What, what would that, what would it be to take that allegorically as in, and how do we read that as something about our relationship right. to Christ? Something about, I know. Uh, so, you know, there, there are things that, that can be done, you know, uh, allegorically with, with scripture and violence of, of bringing out these themes and depicting it in new lights of, um, you know, really, cause you know, that's part of art is thinking imaginatively right. and it's, uh, not always meant to say this is exactly what's in scripture, but it's meant to be like, this is, you know, a way that you can use the themes and teachings of scripture to think differently about, about the world, about your faith, about your relationship to God and others. Um, so, you know, that, that might be an avenue. Um, yeah. I, I think that's interesting yeah. too, because I think we, uh, Christians tend to pull punches in the wrong place and to punch harder in the wrong place when we come to depictions of stuff, right? So like, yeah. if we look at the story of, of Noah, like, no, it wasn't cute animals on a boat having a good time. Like, that's not the story. But we also don't need to see like the drowning infant at the bottom of the ocean for realist, like, realness, right? Like, yeah. neither one of those is the point, I guess. Right. The, the, the point is the, the salvation of Noah, right? And the mercy that God showed to him. That's kind of the point of the story. The, 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 wrath and the mercy which i mean that's the theme of the whole bible is the wrath and the mercy so 
I, I think it's that it's that misplaced focus, that idea of like trying to. If we look at the horror that we've been talking about, this whole idea of Christian horror is that idea to scare us away from whatever. So the abortion clinic that you see in the the uh, hell house has to look horrifying. It has to be blinking lights. They have to throw chicken wings at you, like because it's got to scare you away from that. As opposed to like talking about the deeper theological issues involved with that kind of thing and what it means and what it is and like the the substance of it, not just the ooh of it. And I think that's more dangerous because evil is not so blatant. Yeah, right? like exactly. evil, evil is subtle. If, if it mm-hmm. looked ugly, you wouldn't go near right. it. And that's that's right. the real danger with that kind of thing. I, I totally agree. And that's right. one of the reasons why I like well-executed horror. I'm, I'm a huge horror fan. And because it gives you ways of thinking about the horrors of real life. And like you said, it's not always blatant, but I like horror because it's not trying to always be realistic. It's not right. always trying to, uh, you know, it, it's dealing with things in a very symbolic way um like i i recently watched uh the remake of evil dead um Mm -hmm. from like 2013 uh and that's a whole movie that's dealing symbolically with with trauma and someone who's experienced uh sexual assault experience dealing with um drug addiction and all of that trauma and it's bloody and it's gross and it's covered in piss but um that's often how trauma feels and uh you know, the, the visceral bodiliness of it. Um, but it's also symbolic. Um, and you know, you have this triumphant character who, um, you know, yeah, they're chainsawing someone's face off, but it's, uh, the symbolism of her own trauma that she's overcoming. Um, mm. uh, which is why I think horror is interesting, but like on the, on the topic of, uh, like you said, pulling some of these themes out and like, uh, you know, allegorical readings, I would, uh, another movie that I'd recommend, that I think does this really well is Alice, Sweet Alice, mm. um, also known as Communion, also known as Holy Terror. Uh, this is a film, uh, you can find it on YouTube for free. Uh, this is a film that is a retelling of the Cain and Abel story um, you, about two little girls. Um, and it is a film, I, I won't give away spoilers, but because you know, I highly recommend you to watch it. Unfortunately, Abel, it doesn't turn out well for him. I'm, I'm sorry to, to spoil that. But, Abel, sweet um, Abel. No, yeah, yeah for, for this movie, though, um, you actually follow the Kane character. Um, and it's a retelling of two little girls who uh, one is uh, your, your perfect good little girl, good little child who does everything right. And the, the priest even, you know, gives her a special gift because she's about to get her first communion at church and everything. Mm. Uh, then you have Alice, who is more of a problem child. She's made repeated requests that the kids see a psychiatrist. She has a knack of making things look like accidents. No more dolls, no more toys. Alice only plays with bodies. And who is constantly neglected, constantly judged, constantly, um, you know, uh, uh, disciplined unfairly. No one tries to sympathize with her. No one tries to show her mercy or really understand what's going on. Um, And it's a whole movie that questions the way that we treat children. Um, And and in that sense, I think it's a really uh, an important message 
Um, but again, it's working with those themes in scripture and it's, you know, it's, it's violent. It has its points where it's kind of shocking. Um, the, the film is anyways, but it, you know, it's a way of pulling out those themes and using it as an opportunity to talk about, um, we really need to do better in the way that we treat children. Mm. That's kind of like that's, East of Eden. Have you seen East of Eden? Yes. Yeah. That's another excellent example. Um, yeah. it's the same principle, movie. but this one is more like geared towards children. Um, but yeah. yeah, same, same kind of thing going on. Uh, love East of Eden. Yeah. That's kind of the, I mean, you wrap things up. That's kind of the shortfall really about Christian horror is that they don't get the idea of subtlety and themes and using no. a thing to talk about another thing. It's just all upfront and it, it, it is what it is. It means what it means. There's nothing subtle. There's no hidden meaning. Right. There's nothing to think about after this is over. It's just what it is. And yeah. you know, like you talk about horror is good with that kind of thing. Like the Baba Duke, like that idea yes, of dealing yes. with trauma, like, like, mm -hmm. it's, yes. you know, it Absolutely. is frightening, but when you watch it, it's frightening in a different way. Cause it's like, Oh, I understand that. Like that's, I know mm -hmm. what you're talking about, or it follows and you know, all those kind of things that deal with things that are, not talked about openly, but you get it and you kind of can grapple yeah. with that idea. And yeah. Then, and I might be put off if it's talked about, like if it's too much in my face, you know, if you're, if you're going to do like a whole movie, like about uh, sexual assault or, right. and I'm sorry to anyone, you know, in, in the audience that might've experienced, we're kind of, you know, just throwing these topics out there. I didn't mean to, uh, perhaps I should have given a trigger warning or something, but <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't want to sit down and yeah. like, watch, a movie that's really realistic in dealing right. with that problem. It's going to profoundly upset me, but I'll watch a movie that deals with it symbolically. Um, you know, that, yeah. that gives me, you know, some, uh, a new imagination for, for, you know, grappling with that issue in society. And I think the thing too, that doesn't get brought out in Christian horror that does in the Bible, when we talk about the bleakness of it sometimes is the idea that good wins, like evil mm -hmm. is killable evil is comparable, yeah. right? Like mm -hmm. the dragon doesn't win in the end. The dragon gets slain in mm -hmm. Christian horror. You don't really get that. Like it, everybody gets pulled away and everybody dies and there's no good stuff. Yes. Everyone has to go to hell. Yeah. That's the way it ends. It's, you it's need those sequels, man. You need those. Like, <laughs> Michael Myers can't die. He's got, you got more movies. <laughs> <laughs> <Right now. laughs> so uh, this was a different episode, but I, I liked it a lot. It got way more philosophical than I thought I was going to get. But, no, that's you know, good. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, very different direction. We're going to have to have you back on and talk more about horror, man, because there's, there's a lot of stuff to pull out of there. And I, yeah. I think there's... You know, you talked about how the early church had different ways of doing things. And one of the way, things they did different was art in general. And yeah. Christianity just has failed amazingly oh, yeah. at doing art in, in any way. Ab so. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get you out of here, I know we took up a lot of your time. Uh, what do you got coming out? What have you got already out? Uh, kind of share what you got going on. Yeah, well, first, thank you so much for having me on. I'd love to come back. Oh, this sure. is a great discussion. Um, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, let's see. What I've been... I just released, actually, we were talking about Hell Houses. Uh, I, I do a kind of yearly Halloween album. Um, it started with Fall Festivals and the Satanic Panic. And then I did Revenge of the Satanic Panic. Um, <laughs> and then this year was Satanic Panic 3, Hell House. Um, so it's a, uh, an album that deals with that theme of, of going through a hell house and you can find the full visual album, which might give it a little bit more 
you know, impact and, and bring you into that world a little bit more. You can find it on my YouTube. Uh, so that's kind of what I just worked on and finished. Uh, let's see. I will probably have a Christmas album out um, as oh, well. Nice. I do a Christmas album every year. Um, not sure what that theme's going to be. Kind of depends on what what I you know end up finding and and I don't know how I moved. I'm I'm busy with school though. I'm a, I'm a grad student, so mm. I you know lots of reading and writing. So right. can't be as creative as I'd like, but trying to trying to put things out as I can. Cool. And uh, you have a lot of visual stuff on Instagram too. That's how I found you through Instagram. Somebody actually yeah. a group chat I'm in shared something from your and there's another guy I, I can't remember his name. I'm gonna have to type it in, but he also he's a Lutheran who does uh, vaporwave church theme stuff. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, that's how I found that. So if you guys follow on Instagram, uh, on our what's your, end, what's your YouTube uh, like? Just yes, channel? Vacation Bible School, which okay. is probably gonna be hard to find. So I don't know if you look up like Vacation Bible School Church Wave or how many um, how many like, like church kids directors do you get trying <laughs> to find? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Probably, uh, probably too many. Yeah, like, there's, no, there's probably huh? some church. Yeah, yeah. It is a church director that's like, you know, what's this? Hell House. <laughs> I hope. Some, I hope one of them orders your cassette and like plays it in the church van. For their church, they're not paying attention. They just like, I found my book on YouTube. Yeah, play that for the kids. Oh no! But yeah, it's, I, it's always funny people telling me like that they're horrified by my music. Like one reviewer, and they meant this in a positive way for my album. Uh, uh, my first album, Romans 13, they said, this is the most disturbing thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, and they thought it, it, they liked it for that reason. But it's always fascinating for me to hear people like disturb it, uh, you know, being disturbed by it. Because that's not always what I what I what I intend to do. But yeah, I've been watching uh, I've been watching Hell House on, on YouTube uh, and I got to see who's around me when I turn it on because I know I'm going to be like, what are you watching? <laughs> And it's not like it's extreme or anything. It's just weird in that way that those kind of yeah. things are. I, I looked at that, that uh, Orman. Uh, uh, work, oh, yeah. On my work computer at, at work. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do this on the work computer. <laughs> People are going to walk by and see like a little kid's head getting chopped off. It's like, what are you watching? Like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah, and like of course the week before i was watching documentaries about witch covens and stuff you know <laughs> for the last that we did. they're gonna have an intervention about you <laughs> <laughs> it's all you all right <laughs> yeah, going through some know. stuff man yeah, I got so, podcasts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on our end uh well, this is going to be the last week to email for our zine that we got coming out uh we're kind of going to start putting it together this week as far as articles publishing everything that's going out so if you're interested in a copy email us right here with your name address make sure you put your whole address in there uh, and we'll make sure we get you one it's absolutely free just holler at us and we'll get you one uh this is the first one so it's still a little rough we're still trying to figure out how we want to do it uh, i'm sure the christmas one will be a little bit more put together but uh this is cool stuff we got an article on jack chick so that's going to be fun uh article about homeschooling maybe something about hell houses because i found out some weird stuff about hell houses this week that apparently they're from uh the the brilliant mind of uh liberty university was like where they started mm. fall well, well. the idea oh, yeah man. and also if, if you're interested you can buy your own hell house kit to do it yourself for uh really yeah the cheap cheap price of 300 dollars. so if you got a spare 300 <laughs> <laughs> you can buy a hell house kit it's just a money scam. It's the, bucket, <laughs> the bucket of hot wings and like. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. 
<laughs> That's like the grossest thing. I you sincerely shocked me tonight with that. I I, I never heard of that before. So yeah, yeah that learned something new. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, like I said, in sometime in the future, we'll have you on for another topic. Uh, we try to plan them out in advance, so we'll make sure we get in touch with you and have something going. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So for everybody else watching, uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming back. We'll hit you guys up next week, same time, same place. Until then, see ya. You've been left behind. You've been left behind.